please turn to Luke chapter 5. We're continuing with our studies in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 12. I'll read from Luke chapter 5 and verse 12. And it came to pass, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who, seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put his foot, put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded, for a testimony unto them. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Amen. This morning we're going to consider a miraculous healing by the Lord Jesus Christ, the cleansing of a leper. As amazing as his miracles were, and they were truly amazing, taking nothing away from that, Even so, we need not imagine that Christ Jesus came into the world to heal lepers or to give sight to the physically blind or to raise the dead or whatever. If he did, then to what end? After all, there are still many, many people in the world who are blind, are there not? And people still die. And let me tell you something. You're going to die as well unless Jesus comes first in judgment. We're all going to die. As for lepers, there are reckoned to be about 120,000 new cases of leprosy in India alone each year. That is a lot, isn't it? I tend to take (coughs) these statistics with a pinch of salt, but I've seen the lepers in India. I've walked past them and I've looked the other way pretending I haven't seen them, much to my shame. The word of God tells us why the Son of God came into the world. It wasn't to save lepers, it wasn't to restore people's sight who were blind or anything like that. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, the Apostle Paul said, This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. There you have it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We've already seen that to be the case in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through to 19. Let me just whiz through those verses again for you. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, and remind you of a thing or two. This is Jesus speaking in verse 18 and he's declaring himself to be the fulfilment of Old Testament prophecy and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he have anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That's not people who don't have much money in the bank. This is poor in spirit. Spiritually bankrupt people. He have sent me to heal the broken hearted. Again, you're not broken hearted because you've suffered some kind of upset in this world. 
brokenhearted. In other words, you've got a broken and contrite heart because your sin is weighing heavy upon you. That kind of brokenness. To preach deliverance to the captives, well, that word preaching deliverance to the captives, that doesn't mean to say Jesus has come into the world to free criminals from prison in Jerby or, or something like that. To, to preach deliverance to the captives, deliverance is a, a, another word for forgiveness. It all comes from the same Greek word. To preach forgiveness to people who are held captive to sin and to Satan. And the recovering of sight to the blind, people who are spiritually blind, not physically blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. In a, a, again, this word liberty, it's the same word as deliverance in Greek. It's, it's forgiveness. So it's to set at liberty, to forgive them that are bruised by their sin. Bruised, polluted with sin. Not, not, um, not fit to enter into the company of God because of sin. Verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. 2022 is still the acceptable year of the Lord. Anyone in here who has not yet trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, for deliverance, to be set at liberty... Do you have a broken heart? Are you crushed under the weight of your sin and under the weight of the hand of God upon you? If the hand of God is is bringing you to your knees, then blessed are you. Cry out to Jesus for mercy and God will hear your cries and he will save you by his grace. But Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Let's be very clear about that. And I I don't feel that I should have to say that. But, you know, go into a a lot of churches and you'd think that was it. You really would. Many churches now, you would leave a church service thinking, well, Jesus came into the world to heal me of of my um, sniffles or whatever else I've got going on in the world or to, to give me a little cuddle because... You know, I'm feeling miserable at the moment, or whatever. And maybe you are. Maybe you have got all these things going on in your life. But um, something far, far more serious. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The miraculous works that Jesus did testify that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. For example, in the prophecy of Isaiah going back over 700 years before Jesus came into the world. Prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 35, verse 4 through to 6. It is written, Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not, behold your God will come with vengeance. I emphasise that God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart and the tongue of the dumb sing for in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. 
And those words of prophecy have been wonderfully fulfilled by the eternal Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has come into the world. He has taken vengeance on Satan by crushing his head at the cross. Also, he's taken vengeance on the Jewish nation for their unbelief and their rejection of him. Jesus came unto his own, the Jews, and the Jews received him not. And when he comes again in judgment, in flaming fire, he will take vengeance on all who do not know him and who obey not the gospel. Who obey not the gospel. In other words, if you want to know what you have to do to be saved, well, this is it. You have to believe the gospel. How about that? You have to believe, you must believe that Jesus came into the world to save sinners and apply that to yourself. There's no other name under heaven given unto men whereby we must be saved. The miraculous works that Jesus did clearly demonstrate that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. As Jesus said, when John the Baptist, who was in prison, sent two of his disciples to Jesus, and Jesus said to those two disciples, go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Jesus was saying, I've come in fulfilment of prophecy. I'm healing people. Jesus was healing them of their physical uh, afflictions. And we're going to see one of them very soon. The, the, the cleansing of the leper. And all of this pointed to Jesus being the promised Messiah, the promised Christ, the one who was promised in Old Testament prophecy. And Jesus said to the unbelieving Jews, I told you and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, he's talking about his miraculous works, healing people and so on, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. As well as the miraculous works of Jesus, bearing testimony that he is the Christ who was promised in the Old Testament, they reveal much about his work of redemption. I think I've, I've probably made that clear to you when I was explaining um, the couple of verses in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus stood up in the synagogue and he said, I'm, the, I'm fulfilling this prophecy here. And we can see that when he set the captives free, it's speaking of forgiveness for sins. But what the, the, the physical healings that Jesus performed, what do they reveal to us about what he came into the world to do to save sinners? Because we can learn a lot about Jesus coming into the world to save sinners when we when we look at and we study the, the, the physical healings that were performed by Jesus. Well, as sons and daughters of Adam, we are born into, all of us 
without exception, we're all born into this world spiritually deaf, dumb and blind. Not physically, spiritually deaf, dumb and blind. However, people who have, by the grace of God, been saved from their sins through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they have ears to hear the gospel, they respond to it, they respond to the gospel They have eyes to see their great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, through the eye of faith. We see him, don't we, dear Christian? We see that he is altogether lovely. And we have mouths to sing his praises and to witness, to bear testimony of the fact that he came into the world to save sinners. As for Jesus raising the dead, all who belonged to him were once dead in trespasses and sin, like every other person. Everyone comes into this world as a child of wrath, dead in trespasses and sins. All of us. And you see that even in a young toddler, the youngest how they are spiritually dead in that they in that they rebel their natural inclination or sinful sinful natural inclination is to do that which is wrong right from an early age i wonder is it your testimony that you are, that you have had your ears open to hear the gospel, eyes opened so that you can see the Lord Jesus Christ through the eye of faith, that you've been raised up to spiritual life in the Lord Jesus Christ, or else are you still dead in your trespasses and sins, spiritually deaf, dumb and blind? Coming to our passage, Luke chapter 5, verse 12. It came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou thou canst make me clean. Note that that man, that leper, didn't seek to be healed from his leprosy, doesn't, that's not what it says. But to be cleansed. That man came to Jesus to be cleansed from his leprosy. The kind of leprosy that the man who came to Jesus had, and which is described in some detail, quite some detail actually, in the Old Testament book of Leviticus, when you read it, you see that that leprosy in the Bible, it affected not only people, but it affected their clothes, It even affected the the walls in their houses. In other words, like sin, it pretty much affected everything. It it defiled, it invaded just about everything, just like this world we live in. You see the effects of sin everywhere. Leprosy was a visible sign of sin. It was a mark of God's displeasure with sin. For example, Miriam who was the sister of Moses, she became leprous 
Why? Because God afflicted her with leprosy and she was shut out from the camp of Israel for seven days according to God's law. And that was because she angered God by speaking against her brother Moses who was the servant of God. So God afflicted her with leprosy for seven days and and she was shut outside the camp of Israel. And also, as we saw earlier on in our first reading, there was King Uzziah of Judah. He went into the temple to burn uh, to burn incense upon the altar of incense. He was challenged by the priests who told him that they and not he were consecrated to God to burn incense. They told him to leave the temple and he got angry with them, didn't he? The king got angry and he became leprous. Again, God afflicted him with leprosy. He remained leprous until the day that he died. And again, leprosy was a visible sign of sin and a mark of God's displeasure with sin in the Bible. What Bishop J.C. Ryle said very powerfully illustrates the connection between the disease of leprosy that we read of in the Bible and sin. The the leprosy which is a picture of sin in the Bible. This is what Ryle said. But is there nothing like leprosy among ourselves? Yes, indeed there is. There is a foul soul disease which is ingrained into our very nature and cleaves to our bones and marrow with deadly force. That disease is the plague of sin. Like leprosy, it is a deep-seated disease infecting every part of our nature, heart, will, conscience, understanding, memory and affections. Like leprosy, it makes us loathsome and abominable, unfit for the company of God and unmeet for the glory of heaven. Like leprosy, It is incurable by any earthly physician and is slowly but surely dragging us down to the second death. And worst of all, far worse than leprosy, it is a disease from which no mortal man is exempt. We are all in God's sight as an unclean thing. Spiritual lepers, that is how we come into the world, unfit for the company of God. How often have I heard people talk about there's good in every one of us? I said earlier we need to examine everything under the light of scripture. There's good in every one of us. Is that what the Apostle Paul said? He didn't. The Apostle Paul, what he said in Romans chapter 7 was in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Nothing. And Bishop Ryle, I think he did a tremendous job there of really explaining how we have something far worse than leprosy. We have leprosy of the soul. Sin. The disease of sin that makes us unfit for the company of God. And it invades every part of us from head to toe. Affected, infected, 
polluted by sin. It really is as bad as that. I think there are too many Christians. They, sure, I'm not. I'm not saying they're not Christians, but and, and praise God for their salvation. But I'm sure there are many Christians who haven't really grasped the sinfulness of sin, just how horrible it is. All we have to do is look at that centre cross, where Jesus was not having a picnic. He was lifted up to die on that cross, a horrible death, as he drunk the cup of God's wrath, the cup of sin upon that cross. It is hideous. And the leprosy in the Bible, it's an illustration of just how ugly sin is. Ryle made a very important point when he said it is incurable by any earthly physician it's the same with sin. You, well, if you can see a doctor these days, good luck to you. But if you try, if you go to the doctor with your sin, is that doctor going to write out a prescription for you so that you can, um, you know, get better from sin? He's not, is he? Uh, is a surgeon able to do an operation on you to, to root out the sin, to cut it out perhaps? Of course not. And there's no drugs, nothing, nothing that will get rid of sin. You don't go to a doctor for sin. Those who were afflicted with leprosy in the Bible, the, the leprosy that we read of in the Bible, they were required to go to a priest. Not a doctor, a priest. And even then, the priest wasn't able to cleanse people from their leprosy. Because it required a gracious cleansing from God. Only God could cleanse people from their leprosy. Not even the priest could do that. All the priest could do was what was required by the law. He was the enforcer, if you like. He enforced the law that God had given. And in accordance with God's law, what the priest did was look upon the afflicted person and if it was a clear case of leprosy, the priest would declare him unclean and if it was doubtful, if he wasn't sure whether the person had leprosy or not, he would shut the leper up for seven days and then he would re-examine him. Again, it was the priest who did this, not a doctor. But that's it. The priest could do no more and what can be learnt is that the law and the, and the, the priest, in this case, he was, in, he was just doing what the law required him to do. The law cleanses no one from their sin. When you apply this to sin, of, of which leprosy was a picture of in the Bible, the law, or what did the law do in the case of leprosy? It just shut the person up. Outside of the camp of Israel. That's what the law did. And the priest, it was his job to make sure that that happened. Someone who had leprosy was shut outside the camp of Israel. They had to cover their face. They had to call out, unclean, unclean, because they were not fit to be in the company of God's people and most certainly not fit to be in the company of God. And the bottom line is that whether you're talking about leprosy that we read of in the Bible or sin, either way, the afflicted cannot be healed by men, 
and they must be cleansed by God and God alone. Not a priest, but God alone. All the, all the, all the law does is shut you up. The law can do nothing to heal you from your sin. It just shuts you away from the company of God. And ultimately the law will condemn you because we're all lawbreakers. And the wages of sin, breaking God's law, is death. So anyone in here who thinks that they can uh, stand before God with their chest puffed out thinking that they've cracked it and they've entered into the presence of God because of their obedience to God's law, because they've been such goody-goodies in this world, you know, I'm not knocking it, you really, all of us, it should be our desire to do the, well, do the right things and not do the wrong things, but the law will never, ever get, obedience to the law will never, ever get you into the company of God. It's not going to happen. Why? Because we've all broken God's law. In fact, we all come into this world as natural born sinners. We come into this world with the original sin of Adam. And then what you, What happens? Uh, you know as well as I do, one thing we all specialise in is doing the things that we shouldn't do. We're all specialists at that. We're all specialists at committing sin. And to imagine, as billions of people in this world do, that we can uh, be acceptable to God through obedience to the law, it's, it's, it's pride, it's arrogance, it's living in cloud cuckoo land. It's not reality. It's, it's clear to us that only God can cleanse people of their leprosy. It's made clear to us in the Old Testament, in 2 Kings chapter 5, when a, a Syrian king sent his, the captain of his army to the king of Israel because he had leprosy. The captain or the commander of the Syrian army, his name was Naaman, and his king sent him with a letter of introduction to the king of Israel to be healed of his leprosy. The king of Israel, the kings of Israel were not good people. When you, when you study the Old Testament, you'll see there wasn't a good one amongst them, the kings of Israel, apart from King David perhaps. But generally speaking, the kings of Israel were not, were not obedient to God. However, what the king of Israel did say to Naaman the leper was spot on. He said, am I God to kill and to make alive? that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy. Am I God that I can do this? No. And he knew that, the king of Israel. He knew that he was not able to, to heal Naaman the leper. Only God can do that, recover a man of his leprosy. So coming back to Luke chapter 5 and verse 12, I trust you can see that the leper was right to come to Jesus, who is God manifest in the flesh. He came to Jesus for cleansing of his leprosy. Note that the leper fell on his face. We see that in verse 12. The leper fell on his face. 
which is not altogether uncommon in the Middle East. That's what they do there. It's a mark of respect. You show respect by falling prostrate um, before people. But when you consider that at the same time that the leper fell, fell on his face, he said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. What do you read into that? What do you, what should you rightly read into that? He's fallen on his face before the Lord. It's, the Bible makes it very clear that only God can deliver a person from his leprosy. That man falling upon his face, he said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. There is an acknowledgement in that statement that he knew he was in the presence of God. He was in the presence of God. He wasn't just being respectful. He was prostrating himself before God. He knew it by virtue of the virtue of the fact that he came to Jesus believing that Jesus was able to make him clean. And there's a couple of things going on here that ought to be emphasised. The leper believed that Jesus is God. Consequently, that is why he prostrated himself before the man who is God. Although he made no demands, he pleaded with the Lord to cleanse him. He didn't demand it, it was a plea. A, A humble plea before the man who is God, knowing and believing that Jesus is able to do so. In verse 13, he put forth his hand, Jesus put forth his hand and touched him saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. So that's the response of Jesus. For the umpteenth time, who delivers a man from leprosy in the Bible? God. That's clear, clear, clear. So what does Jesus do? He puts forth his hand upon the leper again. And what do I do when I'm in India? Not that I'm Jesus, but I, I look the other way and pretend I haven't seen them, the leper. Not so with Jesus. He puts his hand on the leper and he says, I will be thou clean. What does that tell you? Again, it tells you that Jesus is God. The compassion in the heart of Jesus reach that compassion reached his hand the hand that touched the leper as he said to him I will be thou clean and immediately that man was cleaned cleansed he didn't have to take a course of uh, antibiotics or, or anything else immediately he was cleansed delivered from his leprosy Thanks to advances in modern medicine, people who are afflicted with leprosy nowadays can be healed with powerful drugs. Praise God for that. And those drugs, they're administered by health professionals, but what we have in verse 13 is very, very different. It testifies to Jesus being God. Can you see that? I will be thou clean. Who can cleanse people of their leprosy? As the king of Israel rightly said, am I God that I can deliver this man from his leprosy? Jesus showed himself to be God there. Again, his physical healing demonstrated that he is the promised Christ, the son of the living God. 
It was a demonstration of who he is and that he is the one who has come into the world to save sinners. Last of all, verse 14, he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for testimony unto him. Having made it perfectly clear that only God can cleanse people of their leprosy in the Bible, we see that the Son of God did precisely that, cleanse that man of his leprosy. Even so, God's law, we're back to God's law now, it required those who had been cleansed of leprosy to present themselves before the priest who would examine them to see if they were clean. And I've already told you about that. The priest would look at him, yep, you're clean, great. And then there would be various um, ceremonies, sacrificial ceremonies that would take place if it was seen that the man, woman, boy or girl was indeed cleansed of his leprosy or her leprosy. Otherwise that person would be shut away for seven days. But coming to those ceremonial sacrifices that were offered, blood was amongst them and there was all sorts that go on. You can read about it for yourself in the book of Leviticus. But amongst other things, blood was applied to the right earlobe of the person who was cleansed, the right thumb and the right big toe of the person who was cleansed of his leprosy by God. And that person then returned to the camp of Israel as one who was ceremonially clean from head to toe. That's what it signified. I think it's reasonable to say a bit of blood applied to the ear, the thumb and the big toe. That signifies that that person is now clean or at least fit to enter into the company of Israel, the camp of Israel once again. Emphasis on that because that person, um, although he's been cleansed of his leprosy, isn't necessarily cleansed from his sin but for the purpose of returning into the camp of Israel, the application of blood to the big, uh, the, the earlobe, the thumb, the big toe, was a sign that that person is now fit to return to, the, 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 to Israel, to the camp, to all his people, to his family, to his friends and to everyone else. Jesus, who was himself under the law, remember when Jesus came into the world, he was born of a woman, born under the law, and he became obedient to that law, and he was obedient to that law throughout his earthly time, completely and utterly obedient. Why did he make himself subject to the law? Why did he come into this world in subjection to the law? It's for the likes of you and me. didn't have to do it for himself. For you, for me, he kept that law perfectly for those he came to save. And then finally, he laid down his life for their sins at the cross. Not finally, because we know that three on the third day, he rose triumphant over 
sin, Satan and death. Nevertheless, Jesus was under the law in order that he might perfectly keep the law. And he instructed people to do likewise. Just because Jesus came into the world to to keep the law for those he came to save, it doesn't mean to say he, he, he encouraged people to break the law. Neither does Jesus encourage us to ignore the commandments, the Ten Commandments. Jesus has kept the law for all he came to save. And if you're a Christian in here, you should delight to, 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 you should look, delight in the law and you should look for God's enabling grace to keep that law because the law, I'm talking about the commandments, they reflect the holiness of God. And surely as a Christian, you want to reach higher levels of holiness, practical holiness in your life, thereby honouring God, your Saviour. Jesus told the man, go to the priest as the law demands and with that comes all the sacrifices and the blood being applied to the big ear, uh, the big ear, the earlobe, the, the thumb and the big toe. Let's apply this stuff. First of all, I find it very interesting that when the Old Testament priests were consecrated for their religious duties, we haven't covered this, but it's interesting to, to point out that when priests and the high priests were consecrated for that work of being priests, they also had blood applied to their right ear, their right big toe and their right thumb. The reason that I find it interesting is that all who are trusting in Jesus as their saviour from sin have been cleansed from their spiritual leprosy by the precious blood of Jesus. Also, they are consecrated as priests of the Most High God. Every single one of you who is a Christian, you have been cleansed from your spiritual leprosy and you have been consecrated as a priest of the Most High God. Hence this blood being applied um, from head to toe. And it's not just a, a ceremonial cleansing in your case. You are, you are fit to enter into the company of God by the blood of Jesus. As someone who has been cleansed from your spiritual uh, leprosy and as a priest of the Most High God. As As John the Apostle said, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. We've been cleansed from our spiritual leprosy by the precious blood of Christ. And as the Apostle Peter said, ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Speaking to Christians, you are a priest of the Most High God, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar or purchased people. In other words, purchased with the blood of Christ, that ye should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Secondly, we've seen that when the leper came to Jesus to be cleansed of his affliction, he fell on his face, prostrating himself before the Son of God. Also, when it comes to not so much making demands upon Jesus, you know, you don't 
we, 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 we must not make demands upon Jesus. We've seen it with this leper and we can see it with someone else in the Bible, a tax collector who was in the temple. You can read about him, not now, but read about him in Luke chapter 18. He was standing in the temple. He couldn't even look up to heaven. He was so guilty of his sin and he could not look up to where to heaven. He just smote upon his chest, his breast, beating his chest. And all that he could say was, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. A humble plea, be merciful to me, a sinner. And, and that man, that tax collector, Jesus tells us, he went home justified. So one minute he's in the temple, not looking up to heaven, but crying up to God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Next thing we read, he's going home justified. That tells me that God heard his cry, he answered his prayer, and once again, the healing or the cleansing was immediate. Didn't have to wait weeks or whatever. It was immediate. Just as it was for the leper. As for anyone in here who is still unclean before God, unclean because of sin, show repentance towards God, call on God in prayer, believing that his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is himself God, the son of God, and that he is willing and able to save you to the uttermost, to cleanse you from your sin, to save you to the uttermost, and to make you fit to enter into the company of God, now and forevermore. The hymn writer expressed the importance of coming to Jesus for cleansing when he said, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me saviour or I die. God will fulfil the desire of all of you who fear him and who truly desire to be cleansed and healed of your sins. He will hear your cry and he will save you by his grace. And to God be the glory. Amen.